What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man, well, who might be getting a little tired of hearing me complain about the brown spots in the grass, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. All I know is I didn't make that happen. I water them, water those those blades of grass with care, and they still die. I don't know. I can't give you an answer. It happens every year. And every year I I start complaining and getting upset about it. Of course, we are battling the rabbits. They continue to come into our yard. They're building in the lot behind us. So all of the rabbits that lived in the field are now coming into our yard and eating up all of my raspberries and hostas and everything. But then they also leave their greeting cards, which eventually turn into dead spots in the grass. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's obviously getting worse as the rabbits population gets bigger because um, our dogs are not uh, wolves or cougar or coyote they cannot chase down a rabbit or chase it out of the yard they can't chase down rabbits they can never catch them no, though that true. is uh, <laughs> that is what we're the rabbits don't with. seem to be fearful of them either so i think that's they just part of the issue look at them from behind the <laughs> other side of the fence well the reason why we've been really spending some focused time on that is because we have got about a week until our niece comes to visit what is amazing about these visits of your family members or any of our family members but this niece in particular she is the daughter of your brother and what i love about our niece jessica is that the whole family agrees her and our daughter Alyssa, they could be sisters they are very much alike for first cousins too first cousins oldest in their families yeah they they run the show they're they're managers they're they're uh, quick thinkers and they are very gifted at speech (laughs) (laughs) they they are and what's so funny too is if you see the two of them standing somewhere next to each other well they just look like identicals maybe of your grandmother seeing the two of them together they are they are identical in so many ways Well, I am so looking forward to the visit as an aunt. My goal in life is to be the favorite aunt. I just love our nieces and nephews so much. They are joys. I feel like we get to have a very special relationship with them, too, because we get to talk to them, find out about how they're doing, and maybe even get an insight into that that they wouldn't necessarily tell their parents. It's just a great gift that God gives families is to be an aunt and an uncle. And so I'm ready to get that house and backyard ready. So that way we have a good visit. Grass grow, grass grow. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> but you know, I think uh, we're, we are excited about them coming out and it's, they're coming out as, as adults. They've been married now for 11, probably years. so. I'm not even sure. And so, you know, they have a life that's lived that we have have yet to fully know and we want to know more like you said it's great to hear the inside track of how they're doing and and uh so much has has changed not only through covid but just in our years of of being so far apart across the nation so we don't get to get them out here very often so we're pretty excited and uh pretty pretty uh possessive of our of our time for them so i'm taking next week off to be with them i'm pretty excited about that well i have fomo 
And if you don't know what that is, that is the fear of missing out. So I don't want you guys to have too much time while I'm at work here doing the morning blend in the morning and you guys are off doing all of the wonderful things that we can do here in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, our, they are flying in on a Saturday. Our first thing we're going to be able to get to do with our niece is to go to church with her. It's wonderful that we share our faith with our niece. She became Catholic. She entered into the church as an adult through RCIA. Now, we are in a time back at St. Joe's, though. It happened again, and I'll tell you, and I'll be honest, I was having difficulty in church because COVID numbers were rising again, and it felt just as soon as we were able to take our masks off, begin singing again, seeing each other's faces yeah. We were asked as a mercy to put them back on. And I was a little unmerciful sitting in the pews because I just thought, how is this happening? Right. Why is it that we were doing this? But Father Gary, our priest, explained it well. And it is as a mercy for other people. Tell yeah, you know, more. and I think you know, there's certainly a challenge we face in uh, in our uh, society that that we have the, the political views of what's right and wrong, but we have a Catholic view of what is right. And what is right is caring for those who, who cannot yet receive the vaccination and particularly young kids that they're finding this variant is, is really um, wreaking some havoc in our youth that are under 12 and there's nothing for them as of yet. So, so I think in, in a sense of prudence, using the gift of the Holy Spirit for recognizing that I still have the ability to carry out a common good of caring for those who need our help. As frustrating as it is for me, because I don't want to put that mask on either, mm. but you know, I, I have a hard time having my glasses on with a mask, and I can have a host of reasons why I don't like it. But when I think of it in that context, and that's the great gift of our intellect that God gives us. I can rationalize in the positive why it's valuable and set aside the negative. I can come up with a thousand negative things, but that does not bring about the common good that is needed. And we will talk a little bit more about those acts of mercy in our second half. But coming up, I had a great opportunity to talk with author Mary Pizzullo. She has a great book out and it touches on what we're talking about today. The name of the book, Stumbling into Grace, How We Meet God in Tiny Works of Mercy. And then our second half, we're going to talk about how we can be instruments of mercy, recognizing our responsibility to care for the other through corporal works of mercy. So stay with us. We've got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Hello and welcome to Catholic Bite 60 Seconds, where 2,000 years of faith and tradition is explained one minute at a time. I'm Father Tim Furlow of the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon. Today we're going to talk about grace. Inevitably, all of us get into a situation where we need help. And when we've exhausted all the human help around us, usually somebody says, Hey, you know what you need? You need to pray for the grace to do it. So what does that mean? Because it kind of sounds like a really cold exchange of money. Like, hey, you out of money? Hit Jesus up. He's got five bucks. The old God is a slot machine, and when we pray, we're really just hoping our numbers come up. That is not it at all. There are several types of grace and many effects that grace has on us, but at its core, it's the literal, actual being and presence of God. It's God himself. 
personally flowing into our being and permanently healing and changing us doesn't get much more personal than that. I'm Father Tim Furlow, and this is Catholic Bites 60 Second. Why do you listen to Mater Day Radio? Is it for the prayers, Catholic news and education, or to be inspired? Whatever your reason for listening, we are grateful for your support. And as we surpass 30 years of broadcasting a gospel message, we hope you will consider leaving a legacy for Mater Day Radio in your estate planning. This can be as easy as including Catholic Radio as a beneficiary in your will. For more information on estate planning options, please visit us online at materdayradio.com. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. In your most difficult struggles, have you always found it difficult to find God? And for today's guest, that is exactly where she found God. Mary Pizzullo intended to learn all she could about God through graduate studies in philosophy, but serious illness changed those plans. And yet through all of this, she began to know mercy and finding God in countless tiny acts. Well, in her new book, Stumbling into Grace, How We Meet God in Tiny Works of Mercy, Mary Pizzullo shares her story and how you can do the same. Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, first, Mary, share with our listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to writing this book. Oh, yes. Well, I um, I grew up in Columbus, raised Catholic. I went to Franciscan University for graduate school. I thought I was going to be a bioethicist and a philosophy professor. And uh, then I came down with uh, fibromyalgia after several surgeries. And um, then everything started to go downhill. My husband couldn't find work because he had to stay home and take care of, of me weird hours. Uh, I couldn't get a diagnosis and a treatment plan that was helping. And uh, and then I'd, uh, I'd have flare-ups and be very sick for a while, and then I wouldn't be sick for a while and everyone would think would think I was faking it because that's how chronic illness often works. And we found ourselves very poor, far away from our families in Steubenville. Some months we'd have money and live almost normally. Some months we'd have nothing. And I had to learn really quick how how to survive when I when I had never done anything like this before. And the things that poor people need that people aren't providing in our communities. And um, it's it's just been on my heart for such a long time to help people know because we're required as Catholics to know how to, to perform the works of mercy for everybody in need in our community. That's not optional. But nobody ever teaches you how. You don't go to a catechism class and learn how to give food to a food pantry, what they need, or, or how to help people with their water bills or any of the, the, the unique things I struggled with and learned when I was a lot poorer than I am now. So that's one of the main reasons I wrote the book. I want to show people some of the theology of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, but I also want to give them concrete advice as, as to how to do it and how not to do it so we can all get out there and walk the walk as well as just studying. Mary, you touched on something then I want to come back to, and you said that as Catholics, those corporal works of mercy are part of our foundation as Catholics. That is what we are called to do. And yet you found... Even in your own illness, discrimination, even cruelty, did you really find that quite shocking, especially through a church that is meant to be so generous with their time and treasure and our ability to serve those in need? 
Oh, it was shocking. It was a really hard thing. And probably, you know, you talk about dark night of the soul, that's probably the lowest I've ever been and makes you feel that God can't even be real. If, if this beautiful faith that professes so many beautiful things, when you meet it on the ground, you meet it through fallen people can be so cold and can not provide for you and not help. It makes you feel so alone. It was, it was horrible, it was shocking, and it made me angry, and it also made me more determined. I've, I've got to show people that we really have to do this. This is how we're the face of Christ for the world. You're really blaspheming Christ if you claim to be a Christian and won't love or help people. The name of the book is Stumbling Into Grace, How We Meet God in Tiny Works of Mercy. It is out by Ave Maria Press and Mary Pizzullo joining us today, the author, to share a little bit more insight into the book. Illness can be very isolating as you shared your story. And we know that God, well, he never abandons us, although sometimes it's hard for us to see him working in our lives. Maybe share with our listeners about those glimmers of God working through you, even when you were living through these dark times of your own chronic illness. Well, it's um, it's something that's so hard to describe. I tried to in the book, but sometimes you're alone and it feels like God isn't even real and things get so harsh. You think this has to all be a joke. This God can't be real in it. And it feels like if he is, he must not be a very nice person. But then every once in a while, just sometimes when I, when I was alone and praying, I felt that God was suffering with me so close. And also, as I go over in the book, when somebody would remember to drop in on us and see if they were okay, they, if we were okay, they, they brought me a relic of Mother Teresa. I tell that story to pray with me for a minute. And I barely even knew this person. He was just somebody who heard there was a sick person in town who was uh, feeling really badly at home. And that was such a moment of grace for me. That was a moment of, no, you're not forgotten, and the communion of saints are with you, and the Christians on the ground are with you, too. Even though people are imperfect and they often forget, the Holy Spirit still works through us if we let him. Oh, and most definitely the Holy Spirit is working through all of us. And it leads me to my next question, because you talk about having the, the strength of our faith to rely on. There are saints that encountered so much of what you are also speaking of. Was there a saint in particular that you would uh, rely on or pray to or ask for their intercession during those very dark nights? Well, there are several different things. Uh, Because I had gotten into this mess, I guess you could say, by coming to Franciscan University, I had this really funny relationship with St. Francis and for a while, just couldn't even stand to think of him, and then was praying and sort of yelling at him to get me out. And and now now we're friends. And when I go down and help at the uh, bring cans to the friendship room in my community, I talk to him while I do it. So that was really funny. Also, Saint Therese is my confirmation saint. I talk to her about this a lot. I pray to Saint Joseph about uh, housing and rent, and um, Our Lady of Guadalupe as well. I guess those are my favorites. Those are my best friends. And St. Michael. St. Michael's the patron of justice, and the works of mercy are actually works of justice. So I talk talk to him a lot. Well, I love how you say that. The works of mercy are acts of justice. And you go through each one of these in your book. Kind of walk them through a little bit about they open the pages, and there they have each of those corporal works of mercy. But you really use this as a means on how to act, not just a book to read. Kind of share with our listeners about the context of each chapter. 
Yes, each chapter I do a corporal work of mercy and then a spiritual work of mercy and then back uh, for, for 14 chapters. And it starts out with a personal story of mine where I experienced that work of mercy or where I wished I had and I didn't sometimes or where I learned to practice it myself. And then after I've shared my story to sort of help you relate in times that uh, you've been in a similar situation, then I start talking about the theology of the works of mercy and how we see the Holy Spirit in this particular way and the way the things we have are a blessing and a mercy. And then uh, I go into the concrete ways for the corporal works of mercy, how we can practice them effectively in our community, a list of things you can do with your church or by yourself. And with the spiritual works of mercy, I try to do the same in a different way. And I talk about spiritual abuse and how we can avoid accidentally hurting someone thinking we're doing a work of mercy and do the work of mercy in a, in a, in a more genuine way. So each chapter has a personal story, then a little bit of the theology behind it, and then instructions to get on the ground and start helping people. Uh, the name of the book is Stumbling Into Grace, How We Meet God in Tiny Works of Mercy. The author, Mary Pizzullo. Mary, you also keep up with so much on your uh, blog that you write. I love this title, Steel Magnificat, Everything is Grace. Kind of share with our listeners if they were to visit your blog at patheos.com, kind of some of the things they're going to find there too. Well, I, t- I write about just about everything. That's why I chose the St. Therese quote, everything is grace for my, uh, sort of my slogan. Uh, I write about living and raising my daughter in a poor community in, in Cubanville, in the, in the Ohio Valley. I write about living in Appalachia because I think a lot of people have only seen caricatures of the people from Appalachia. And I want to write about the real people, the good and the bad. And, um, I also write about, <laughs> Uh, politics from a, a Catholic perspective, I think neither liberal nor conservative, but just practicing our faith and, and realizing where we have to hold everybody's feet to the fire. I write about how to help the poor in your community, and sometimes I just write about feast days and saints, that kind of thing. Oh, I encourage all of our listeners to check it out and to also look up this wonderful new book by Mary Pizzullo. It's called Stumbling into Grace. Mary, tell our listeners where they're going to be able to get a copy for themselves. You can get a copy for yourself at the Ave Maria Press website, AveMariaPress.com, slash products, slash, slash stumbling into grace. That'll take you right to it. It's also on Amazon, Nook, Kobo, Google Play, just about everywhere. Well, just about everywhere you can get a book. Again, Mary, I thank you so much for your time today. Yes, thank you so much for having me again. And again, the name of the book, Stumbling into Grace, the author, Mary Pizzullo. It is out by Ave Maria Press. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get straight to Ave Maria Press. And I'll put that link on the podcast of this interview. You'll find it all at materdayradio.com. Boy, listening to Mary's story about what she went through, and yet even in her darkest time, she found God still there, still being able to see these works of mercy, seeing the things she can do, and also see the way that she was receiving it. It's very difficult to work out these works of mercies, and yet we're called to all be a part of that. 
Right. I think, I think you know, in our church, we, we use the term oftentimes both and. And in this situation, the church, the corporal body of church, uh, that is the parish and, and the administration of the church, is a, is a part of that, but it's also the laity. It's us who are baptized who have a responsibility to be church to others. And so when somebody has an issue like she describes where she's in need and nobody is hearing her, the tendency is to focus on the corporal body of the church. What can the church do for me? And the disconnect oftentimes is that the laity don't know or don't want to be connected into that corporal work of mercy inadvertently. Maybe they, maybe people are good tithers, mm-hmm. but to get in, as, as Pope Francis says, to get the smell of the sheep on the priests, that, that call is for us too. We have to be willing to, as, as uh, disciples of Christ, to be diaconal, to serve, and to serve those in most in need. And so as a deacon, I, I think of that constantly in the work that I do, and, and I, I check myself when I say, I'll let somebody else do that. I need to do, I need to act. The Holy Spirit is giving me an opportunity to act right now. You know, we often talk about how people give, 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 and they're not feeding themselves. Well, it does feel like in our society, we have swum back just a little too far in that we put ourselves above everything else. I need my time. I need quiet time. But yet we are forgetting a lot when we need to give to others and we're letting other people take up that slack for us. You know, one of the things that I miss doing, and it was a wonderful part of ministry and it is one of the corporal works of mercy. And that is burying the dead throughout the week. You take time off of work. You take vacation time when you're called to be available to families when they need a, a funeral being said. For me, I think a part of that that I missed too was when I was able to participate in the grief luncheons and the ministries that surround that. Mm-hmm. When there were funerals, there were opportunities before COVID where the families would come to the parish hall and we'd feed them. I can't tell you how when I'm at home and you say, oh, can you get me a drink of water? You know, we get up and do that. But being able to serve people when they are in grief bring them a plate of food, bring them a drink, pick up after them. So that way they don't have to worry about doing that. I tell you, I know that it is mercy for them and action for them, but by far every time I was the receiver of the grace and being able to, to do those things. We should not be afraid to step into those situations where we can lend a hand. The corporal works of mercy are more often not for the individual receiving that corporal work, it's for the people giving the corporal work. The person receiving it is blessed by God, and it's that person, he or she, is blessed by God regardless of me, but God doesn't want to bless them in spite of me. He wants to bless them through me as, an, as a person of faith. And so that's each one of us have the potential to be that presence of God God's grace in a person's life, which is the whole focus of doing corporal works of mercy because it's work. It can be suffering. It can be really difficult to do. And yet somehow at the end, like you describe, after you serve the community a meal, a simple act of sharing that, you feel fulfilled. There's something there that is inexplicable. It wasn't, it wasn't attained by eating. It wasn't attained by, by taking an aspirin. It wasn't attained by anything biological or chemical outside. It's, I would argue it is by the in, infilling of grace that the Holy Spirit gives you for doing the good work. 
And the manifest result is, my gosh, I feel so much better in not just a, an, a temporary sense, but in a deep sense, which is all to say our faith draws us to that deep sense of feeling good, not just the temporary sense. And corporal works of mercy lead us to that deep sense of feeling good about ourselves, about hope in the world, and about trust and hope in God. It's important for us to remember, too, to open ourselves to be a receiver of those good works that other people want to do. And again, always in very simple ways. Scott, our front yard, they're putting in a new road. Now, that is hard work. These men and women who are out there, it's summertime, they're on blacktop. Well, when I pulled into our driveway yesterday, there was one of the workers. He was sitting on our front lawn. And he was sitting, leaning against our big tree that we have, just taking a break in the shade. And I smiled at him and I, I, I could tell that he, he was starting to get up. And I just put my hand up and I said, no, you're fine. And then when I got out of my car, I went into the trunk and I grabbed a bottle of water. And of course, one of the corporal works of mercy is give water to the thirsty. Mm-hmm. But you know, funny thing was, I think he didn't accept any. He's like, oh, I'm fine. Right. Maybe thinking that it was enough that we offered him a little cool shade to sit in, but it doesn't take much. And he smiled at me and he thanked me anyway. Oh, I think that's fantastic because the reciprocal reception of the gift is so important to the gift in its, in the first place. I I need to receive the fact that as an example, I was sharing the other day that Christ gives us his mother on the cross. Now we can say, Oh no, thanks. I'll get by with it. Like that man said about the water, Mm -hmm. or we can accept it for what it is. It is, a grace handed on by another for both's benefit. So when we receive that gift, like when I bless a house, that's a constant um, awareness. When someone gives you water or food, take that out of appreciation for their gift to you. Even if you're not thirsty, even if you're not hungry, even if you feel encumbered by other means, let it go and accept the gift because you're giving them a blessing by accepting it. And they're getting a they're giving you a blessing in the giving of it. Oh, I love that so much. Scott, before we go today, will you please end us in a prayer? Lord Jesus, we ask for your strength this time of need as we enter back into what could be a troubling time with COVID. Give us strength to have grace, your grace flow through us in our acts, in our thoughts, and our love of others. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.